Good morning, everyone. Brief kind of mention of our readings today before we get into our, our main topic as usual. Just want to remind you, last week, right now we're in John chapter 6 in all of our gospel readings. And last week, if you remember, we talked about how the Exodus story is an analogy, it's a prefigurement for your life as a Christian. Right? To be a Christian means that you've left Egypt, you've left the world behind, and you are traveling, you're walking with, by faith in the desert with God. And your food on the way is, of course, the bread from heaven. And St. Paul says all of this, if you want some good reading, St. Paul addresses all of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But today, we heard in Exodus 16, in the Exodus story, what we talked about last week, and I just want to remind you of that. In Exodus, it talks about how the Jews are hungry and they want to go back. They want to go back to Egypt. And that's a temptation in your Christian life that you leave behind the world and it becomes hard to be a Christian and you say, I want to go back to the way everyone else lives. I want to live for entertainment and pleasure and comfort and I want to live for myself. But you can't do that as a Christian. So we should be talking about that all day today for the whole homily. We should be. But we're not going to. Today we have something serious I want to address with you. Today I want to talk with you about the scandal that's current in our church right now. So first, uh, a little bit of a story. When I was in seminary, a group of friends and I, we went up and we camped on Kenosha Pass, up on 285. And you get off Highway 285, and there's, there's a four-wheel trail, and we, we went up and we camped on Kenosha Pass on the side of this mountain. It was a gorgeous campsite. And we used to go there once or twice a summer. And one time we went, and there was actually a microburst. There was this crazy storm that came out of nowhere. I've actually I've never seen anything quite like it. And in the, as the evening was turning into the night, that storm hit. And it, a tree in our campground blew over, and everybody kind of flipped out. Not me, I never flip out. I was totally calm and collected. Just kidding. But then we, but we decided, we're like, you know what, let's just get out of here. So we, we jumped in our cars, and we started driving down the road to get down to 285. And as we made our way down, there was a huge tree that had been uprooted and was across the road. And we couldn't get over it in our, in our Jeep. And so we had to saw it down and hack away at it until we actually had to cut the tree in half and to be able to move it to get, get through. So there was an obstacle. There was something on the road that was an obstacle to us moving forward. The word scandal, brothers and sisters, means that. The word in Greek is scandalon. And it literally means a stumbling block. But it means an obstacle. It means you're going somewhere and there's something that keeps you from going on the way. And I don't know if you know about this. I imagine you do. But right now there's a scandal in our church. 
Cardinal McCarrick, who is a former Archbishop of Washington, D.C., it's been revealed in the past couple of weeks that there are credible accusations against him of abuse. Uh, It appears that, it doesn't appear, there were settlements made in the early 2000s, and there's various instances of abuse that it appears they're all credible. This is horrible. It's absolutely a terrible moment in the life of our church. Someone who is called to be one of our great leaders and priests and especially bishops, we are called to a high level of holiness. And this is a scandal. It's an it's a obstacle on the way. People will leave the Catholic Church because of this. They're on that way, right? Christianity, the first name for Christianity is hodas, the way, right? To be a Christian means to walk on the path with Christ. And a scandal is when someone or something is on that road and it keeps people from progressing. Here's what Jesus says about this in Matthew 18. Some translations will say temptations, but the Greek word is not temptations. The Greek word is scandalon. Jesus says, woe to the world for scandals. For it is necessary that scandals come. But woe to the man by whom the scandal comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin... Cut it off and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Very strong words from our Savior. So I want to talk about this. Brothers and sisters, sometimes you and I don't address these, and I think a lot of times priests don't address these things, but we have to. And I was gone all week on on a conference, kind of a retreat, but more of a conference, and I was praying all week about this. And from my heart, I want to share this with you, and I want to face this together. What's our response as Catholics? If you haven't had it yet, I imagine you will. You'll have people who will say to you, how can you be a Catholic? Look at what your church has inside of it. Look at what's going on in the Catholic Church. How can you still be a practicing Catholic. And today I want to help you with that. Because that stumbling block on the road does not prove that that road is bad. The darkness does not disprove the light. It doesn't do that. 
If you're going to be a Catholic, brothers and sisters, in times like this, right, if you're a Catholic in a time like this, you and I have to know why we are Catholic. You have to know why. And I think if I had not learned my faith, or if I was a Catholic because I thought that there was no sin in the church, I would have left a long time ago. I am not a Catholic because there's no sin in the church. I am not a Catholic for my bishop. I am not a Catholic for Pope Francis. I am not a Catholic for the men, even the very good men and women who have been examples to me and who have led me to deeper faith. I am not a Catholic because my mother is. I am not a Catholic because my grandparents were. I am a Catholic because Jesus Christ founded the Catholic Church. And that is the only reason I am a Catholic. And because of that, because Jesus founded the church, because he promised that he would never abandon her, because he promised that he would guide her through all time, I will always be a Catholic. No matter what may happen, no matter what our country may face, and brothers and sisters, it may get worse. I don't know. I've talked to some people who think it's going to get worse in the coming weeks and months. I will never leave the Catholic Church, ever. Because I'm not a Catholic for the bishops. I'm not a Catholic for anyone except Jesus. And if you're going to be a Catholic in today's environment, today's culture, if you're going to live that life, you have to know why you live the faith you do. If you've been the kind of Catholic who happens to be Catholic because your parents raised you that way, you won't last. That's not a real faith. I think some Catholics sometimes, they tend to think of, of being in the church almost like it's a member, like being a member of like the Elks Club. Nothing against the Elks. I really don't know anything about them. But there's some things in life where you can just get a card and you can be a member because you have the card in your purse or your wallet. That is not the case with Christianity. That is not the case. To be a Christian is to be a man or a woman with faith, hope, and love in Jesus Christ. And nothing else will do. So the first thing I want to say to you is that if you don't know why, if you don't know your faith, you have to change that. Scandal and trials and difficulties are going to push you and I into places where either you're going to be a very faithful Catholic, you're going to be the kind of person who looks at Jesus and says, Lord, I want to go deeper. I want to grow in holiness. I want to live my life for you. You're either going to be that kind of a Christian or you will not be a Christian at all. And I think that Jesus always intended it that way. Right? He doesn't want any of us who just happen to be his followers. The only real Christians are Christians who choose Christ and who love him and who choose to follow him. 
So how do we face this? How do we look at this scandal and what's our response? St. Augustine says it so well when he talked about scandals in his own time, and there always have been. By the way, Jesus is not surprised by sin. Did you hear that passage in Matthew 18? Right? Jesus says, scandals are necessary. They will come. He's, he promises us they will come. I oftentimes tell people, I'm never surprised by sin. I should be horrified by it, but I'm not surprised by it. Jesus chose 12 apostles. John chapter 6 tells us that Jesus knew from the very beginning who it was that would betray him. He knew it. He knew that Judas would be the one who would betray him, and he chose him anyways. God is not surprised by sin. He hates sin, but he is not surprised by it, and you should not be surprised either. The darkness does not disprove the light. Because some Christians, myself included, do not live up to the call that Christ gives us, does not disprove Christianity. Darkness does not disprove the light. St. Augustine says this, he says the saints themselves are not free of daily sins, right? The holiest people, all of us have sins. The church as a whole, all of us together, the church as a whole says, forgive us our trespasses. She thus possesses spots and wrinkles. But through confession, the wrinkles are smoothed out, the spots are washed away. The church stands in prayer in order through confession to be purified. As long as men live on earth, that is how the church stands. The church always has sin within her, but she's always striving to grow in holiness. So brothers and sisters, I think there's two responses we can have today that are wrong. There's two bad responses to scandal. The first one is to look for a pure church. It's to, say, it's to say that only the church that is wholly free of sin can be the true church. Augustine says that the battle for the kingdom of God is a, is a story of two loves, and he calls it caritas, charity, which is the love of God. It's the love that makes you deny yourself and love God and others above yourself. That's charity. And the other love is called cupiditas, cupidity. And that's the love that is all about myself. And it's disordered. It's about disordered desires as our second reading was about today. And Augustine says, if you want a pure church, this is battle. We say, we want a church that's all charity. And it's not disordered love, and that's true. We do want that. But Augustine says that those two loves are trickier than you think they are. It's not just that this person over here has one type of love and this person over here has the other type. Augustine says those two loves cut right into the center of my heart. 
because I have both of them. Right, I do have a love for God, but I also have a disordered love of myself. And so, yes, we have to look for a more pure church, but we have to be so careful. We can't be the ones that look around and say, sinners don't belong, and I get to decide who's a saint and who's a sinner. One more piece of that, in, in Matthew 13, Jesus tells the parables of the weeds and the wheat. Right? And, it's, and he tells us in Matthew 13, it's a parable about the kingdom of God. And the farmer goes out and he sows wheat, the good seed. And in the middle of the night, the enemy comes in and sows weeds. And the servants of the master say, Master, do you want us to pull out the weeds, right? Do you want a pure church? Can we de decide who's going to be pulled out and who gets to stay? And the master says, if you pull out the weeds, you will uproot the wheat along with them. And the tricky thing, if you know, know about this parable, is that the weeds and the wheat Jesus talks about look very, very similar. And it's very hard to tell which one's which. And isn't that true of you? And isn't that true of me? There's a battle inside of me, Lord, and I don't know. By your grace, I hope. By your grace, I hope and I pray that at the end of the age, when you judge the world, that I will be wheat. That I'll be pure wheat and I will be counted a true member of the kingdom of God. But none of us knows that until the final judgment. So that's the first attitude we can have that's the wrong attitude, is that somehow we'll decide who's good and who's bad, and the church will be perfect someday. No, it won't. We're all sinners. We have to strive for holiness, but we can't do that. The second extreme is to say, this is someone else's problem. Our culture's infected with this right now. Our culture loves, I, I hear constantly people running around pointing the finger at others. It's not my problem. Cardinal McCarrick's the one who did that. I'm a good priest. I'm a, I'm a lay person. I'm just a normal person who lives a, an ordinary life. This isn't my problem. In second, or I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians 12, St. Paul tells us, if you are a Christian, you are baptized into one body. And if one member of the body suffers, all suffer. Every one of us suffers. This is your problem. This is my problem. We are one in Christ. So what's our response? How do we deal with this? So this week I was, as I said, in South Dakota. And I kind of had batitude. You guys heard me say that before? That's, that I think I coined that term. I'm not 100% sure. But I did. I had batitude going out there. 
because, and one of the reasons why is because the speaker for our conference is an ex was an exorcist. He is still, but anyway, an exorcist came and spoke at our conference. And he was going to speak all about demonology. And I just didn't want to go to that. And so I had batitude. And God smacked me this week. <laughs> it was so good. He gave me, you know, like your mother used to do. He just gave me a little smack. And he's like, Brian, stop being a chump. And it was amazing. And this priest, and, and by the way, he was so good because exorcisms, they're not Hollywood. It's not the way you think of it. It is real. Demons are real. Satan is real. Make no mistake about it. And he talked to us about it. He told us stories. And there were some pretty amazing stories. But his big message was, fighting against evil is not this magical thing. And I was so convicted. He said, what, what destroys Satan, what destroys demons, and make no mistake, this scandal, sin in our church, is a spiritual battle. There are human things that have to happen. The bishops of the United States have to face this. We need to make concrete human choices, absolutely. But there is a spiritual battle. And this priest said, what fights off Satan and his minions, and I was so convicted, he said, it's not your next program. And I thought, I can be such a prideful priest. And I can say, oh, we've got this great program in my parish. And, he, and this priest, it was, he just humbled me. He said, Satan doesn't care. That doesn't scare him. He said, two things drive out evil. Humility and obedience. And he said, the demons don't care if everyone comes up to you and all, if all your people come and say, that was a great talk. The demons don't care. That does nothing to them. What drives out evil is holiness. And so brothers and sisters, that has to be our response. Right? The saints, when they encountered evil, they didn't say, look at all this evil. Look at all these horrible people. What they did is they became saints. And they drove out the darkness. St. John Vianney, there's a famous story of him. His feast day was yesterday. St. John Vianney, Satan appeared to him. And he, he physically attacked him many times. But one of the times that Satan appeared to St. John Vianney, he said to him, he said, if there were three others like you on earth, my kingdom would be broken. But there weren't. <laughs> so I want to leave you with hope. Our answer to scandal is not to turn from Christ. It's not to turn from his church. It's to turn toward him. The response to darkness is light. It's not to critique. We, I mean, we have to. You know we have to change things. We don't bury our heads in the sand. We do make changes. But even more so, 
our response is to turn to Jesus. I was in a room with a church, and we, we had two holy hours one day. We had one in the morning and one in the evening. And I was so convicted. We had 70 priests, some from Denver, some from Minnesota. And for about an hour and a half on Thursday night, we were all, we had the Eucharist, Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, and we were singing and praising God and praying for each other and praying for the church. And I haven't felt so convicted in a long time. And I just knew in my heart of hearts that all of my complaints and all of my excuses, all the things that I use to explain away why I'm not as holy as I should be are just pathetic. And I knew with such a grace that that's all that matters in my life. It doesn't matter if I'm a great preacher. It doesn't matter if I'm a great administrator. What matters is only one thing. The only thing that matters in my life is if I, if I become holy. That's it. Brothers and sisters, you have one life. There is a scandal. You are the light of the world. If you're not light, no one else will be. You only have so many days. We pray for our church, Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would remove all scandal from our church. And Jesus, I pray that you would remove all scandal from my heart. Lord, every obstacle in my life, every sin every excuse. Jesus, today I recommit my life to you. Lord, may your bishops, we pray for Cardinal McCarrick, give him repentance unto salvation. Lord, I pray for every victim of abuse in the church. May the scandal of their suffering be removed, that they might find the way to you. Jesus, call us to holiness. Give us a love for you, a love that pulls us out of all of our sins. Jesus, may you bless Our Lady of Lords Parish. Jesus, may we be a light to the world. Lord, may we truly be the answer to darkness. Jesus, make us holy.